What's up, guys? It's Max and Izzy, and you're listening to the Truth of Youth podcast. I can't stop smiling, Izzy. I'm so excited about this episode. You have no idea. Ah, yes, Max. Like you always say, if anyone knows you, then they know about how much you love talking about what we will soon be talking about in today's episode, Euphoria. After recently watching it, I'm really excited to discuss it as well. Just for our regular listeners, we need to let you know about a few things before we start talking about this stuff. This episode contains spoilers for all of Euphoria, and I mean, if you're into spoilers, you should go ahead and listen on if you want, but make sure if you want to listen spoiler-free, you should definitely go binge the show on HBO Max, Hulu, and more media providers. Also, although we won't really be focusing on the graphic elements of the show, we recommend that you take that into consideration if you're thinking about watching the show. Well, Izzy, are you ready to get into the episode that's all for us, Euphoria stands? <laughs> Pun intended. Yes, Max. Let's do it. So, Max, do you want to read today's Truth of Today questions? Yeah, sure, Izzy. The first question is, what separates Euphoria from other popular teen dramas? Number two, how can we personally relate to the show as teenagers and high schoolers? And number three, what are our highs and lows of the series overall, including the characters, each episode, and more? So the first question deals with how Euphoria differentiates itself from other teen dramas that most people watch so I guess to name a few like popular ones recently I watched like Gossip Girl over quarantine All-American and something that I noticed about Euphoria versus those shows are just like the overall more raw and somewhat like real more and kind of like depressing elements of Euphoria like not that they're invalid it's just different than what I've typically watched in the past because a lot of shows try to create this like sort of like perfect little world with like the biggest problems being like, I don't know, just like gossip or materialistic like things and problems. And there's not a lot of things about, for example, like abuse or depression or like real raw emotion involved in a lot of teen dramas that I've watched in the past. It's not even necessarily the fact that Uh, these things aren't explored in other shows. I just feel like it's not portrayed in a way that's actually either convincing or realistic. Like I know an All-American, listen, I'm not bashing All-American. That's one of the reasons we're here right now making this podcast. Like Olivia struggles with addiction. I feel like it wasn't explored in a way that people could either relate to or kind of like feel for. But when you take something like Euphoria and you are automatically introduced to Zendaya's character, Rue, who struggles with addiction and just got out of rehab. Like, you can sympathize with her because there's a lot of things about her that aren't just, you know, personified by her addiction. Like, you know, she's into music, you know, she uh, goes to school and like uh, wears clothes that are similar to what you and I would wear, Izzy. And also she doesn't look like she's 25. (laughs) Definitely. 
And I'm not saying, I don't think that one type of show is more relatable than the other because some of the issues that the characters go through in Euphoria, like, are some that I can't even imagine relating to. They just seem really awful and, and they exist and they're real in real life for sure. But I guess, like, around me and myself personally, they're just not that prominent in my life. Whereas, like, in other teen dramas, I guess the more trivial problems, I don't know, might be, like, materialistic things or um, just, like, friendships and people. And Euphoria doesn't really focus on that as much. So it's interesting to see that sort of contrast. Another thing that I think differentiates Euphoria from, like, other dramas in general, like, and I'm not just talking about teen dramas, I'm talking about literally everything I've ever seen on television is the lack of like labels. Rue and Jules's relationship is something that like I've never seen like in television and also real life. I haven't really seen that in many, you know, individuals that I've ever known. It's a friendship, but it's something that is a lot more. It, it transcends like a just platonic connection in a way. The fact that like a casual, like same sex, open relationship being portrayed normally on the big screen is something that is super relatable to our generation where that's being normalized. I'm not saying that that goes for everyone. I'm just saying that the fact that it's being portrayed openly on television by creators who are older than us and recognize, you know, Gen Z's struggles, again, that's another reason why it's speaking to so many. And this is just what I've been seeing on TikTok, like people who are like, you know, struggling with their sexuality or people who are trying to express themselves. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's really interesting to see a show that evolves with you I guess like I feel like a lot of shows are kind of stuck in that same narrative of like popularity and all these ideas that constantly circle back in shows that I've watched prior to Euphoria and I feel like to see a show be so contemporary and sort of evolve with the people that are watching it is really interesting. I definitely learned a lot about contemporary things that happen throughout the show and there's so many things that I didn't know and then kind of opened my eyes after watching Euphoria. And also, I mean, we'll get into this a little later, but I think like a character like Jules is really important for older like parents or, you know, older people who watch because the idea of someone who's like transgender being portrayed on the big screen as someone who's not just going through their transition, like someone who's like a real life, normal 17 year old junior in high school teen who is still valid, is still a teen, regardless of something like a transgender person is not as normalized when older generations were growing up. And I think that's so important because it tells teens that it's normal. I, I don't know if like there's anyone who's transgender in our school, is he? but I think people will start to see that that will become like a normalized thing as we grow up and like our kids when they go to school, that will be like hopefully that'll be something that's normalized. And I think that's something that's stepping stones in a way. And like you were saying, it's very contemporary. So they definitely normalize a lot of things that I feel like people, I guess in some ways are scared to talk about or just like not super open about. And I think it's interesting to see it be so casual and normalized. Never seen that in a show before. People are scared to talk about these things. And that's what I don't like about a lot of the movements going on right now, because like people are either pushing it away or they're speaking out about it like there's no tomorrow and the fact that there's such a disparity between those two sides is so annoying and I feel like the reason there's such a disparity between certain views on certain things is because people don't want to have a conversation and I think that's such a good part of our podcast because although like we're similar in age we 
still are able to have a conversation and also talk about things that are uncomfortable, which a lot of things in euphoria are uncomfortable, which is hence why we said there could be like some graphic stuff for, you know, older watchers, etc. I think that the fact that euphoria provokes conversations like these is so important. And that's why, you know, I'm glad that we got to do this episode because I know there's like a lot of people who haven't watched Euphoria and I don't know like if that's because you're just uncomfortable watching it or whatever. And also, you know, people don't have time to watch shows all the time anymore. I haven't even watched one full length show this summer yet because I've been so busy. But watching Euphoria, like you said, it changed your perspective on so many things and something different that you see, like just not like a normal high school teen drama that, you know, every high schooler is like, oh yeah, like clueless or whatever. It's almost like cheesy. Like high school is difficult. There's anxiety in every single individual. So many people are still discovering who they are. That's like what high school is all about. And that's not portrayed at all in so Mm -hmm. many dramas. If you're thinking about like, why do people like make a show the way it is? And like what they want it to be entertaining. They want it to like keep you on edge. It's kind of funny that it's called euphoria in some ways because it seems so much more realistic than so many other teen shows where that I would call more of like a euphoria because it's so far from what actually is normal and what is actually real and so I don't know it's kind of ironic but yeah yeah and the definition of euphoria is like it's like a very intense feeling something that's above reality and obviously the reason for that is because of the shows dealing with drugs and stuff like that which again And we'll get into like our personal experiences later, but drugs are something that isn't really talked about that much on television just because um, I guess a lot of people don't think that teens actually struggle with that. I guess it could also trigger people too. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that drugs kind of provide, I guess, a very small moment, like I know Rue talks about this in the first episode of just nothing or just a feeling that you can't feel in reality just to get away from like, you know, anxiety or things that Rue struggles with. Like, I think she struggles with ADHD or, or ADD or something like that. She struggles um, with so many things. Like I remember yeah. she listed all of them in the first episode and I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which again, those issues are real. I've never, I wouldn't imagine like my parents talking about anxiety after a show, like how significant that is. You know what I mean? I feel like another thing that is so critical to the show and we'll talk about this so much more is the way that the characters express themselves and it's so hyperbole sometimes but things like makeup which um I was watching an interview actually with the makeup artist on deadline the other day there was like a huge event with the director the costume designer Zendaya a bunch of other people and the makeup artist's name is Daniela Davey and she uh pretty much crafted each a girl who like wears makeup like in a different way like like the reason why they wear makeup is like for jewels like to represent her femininity that's explored in episode seven and for maddie it's kind of like like how how would you describe it as he like just kind of like doesn't give a care in the world to what people think like she's just like overall really confident and we'll talk a little bit about her later but honestly like i've been seeing all the makeup looks on instagram and i think it's absolutely awesome like i think it's so cool seeing how people are like creating it and like being inspired off of it. And I feel like it's sort of like a little mini movement in makeup, I guess. And I'm not, look, like it, you didn't watch the show you and you do it. It's totally fine. It looks good. But 
I just think that it's really interesting to see how it's used in the show. And it's something I really never pay attention to because it's never something that's super exaggerated in any other show. Like, I feel like unless you're going to like, I don't know, New York Fashion Week or something, like your makeup just kind of looks like whatever. And it's not really in place for you to express yourself. It's more in place. So the lighting hits you well and things like that. But I feel like it's really in place to reflect something from each of the characters' personality. So that's really cool seeing that. And the same thing goes with style. I know uh, in like one of the last scenes, I think uh, in like episode four or five, like Jules is wearing a Jeremy Scott shirt, which is like low key unrealistic because this is a super suburban. Well, I mean, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, Jeremy Scott's a designer um, who, you know, obviously isn't super cheap, but I know like Jules is into fashion and stuff, but that might be like a little unrealistic, but still like the fact that uh, we were talking about this a little bit in our episode last week with style, the fact that the characters are willing to take like fashion risks, stuff like that, just to like, you know, express themselves, to make themselves, you know, look, feel different, um, I think is super cool. Even like if it might be so formal, it's so cool to just like see people be able to actually pull it off in a way that makes it kind of real. And our generation, I feel like, takes so much inspiration from like the 80s and 90s and all our stuff is like so colorful when I like think of something like that I think in like the first or second episode like there's a look of Maddie she's wearing like a light blue thing and then she's wearing like orange makeup or something like that which is super like contrasty but I think that's like so cool like I I could never imagine someone from the 50s or 60s pulling that off but that's so like 90s or 80s which is so cool like that like nostalgia for like the age like our parents grew up in but like also with the addition of social media and stuff like that do you know what I mean yeah I know what look you're talking about and it just reflects again that she's just such a bold person like you can see in so many episodes like her biggest personality trait is just being overly confident and like really bold something that stuck out to me was like the Halloween costumes in the show. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was so interesting to see like which people were like more reserved, which people kind of reflected. I know um, Cassie's sister Lexi was Bob Ross and I found that so funny. Like I really (laughs) love that she just, that's kind of bold in a way too. Like just like everybody's wearing something, I don't know, really extra. And she was like, you know what? Like I want to be Bob Ross. I'm going to be Bob Ross. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so funny. But all their costumes were, like, so much more original and, like, just, like, well thought out. And nowadays, it's just kind of, like, pretty basic because it's easy. It's, like, convenient to put something together that's more basic and simple. Yeah, and also, I feel like um, they kind of portrayed how Halloween is, like, you know, in not necessarily our school, but just, like, how it's personified in, like, I don't know, our generation environment, like, you know, in high school, Halloween is, like, the one night you, like, actually get to do or wear anything you want without, like, getting judged for it. Something that I actually learned last week is, I don't know if you've watched this, Izzy, but uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's version of Romeo and Juliet in the 90s, that's where Romeo and Juliet met, like, at the party. Like, that's what Jules and Rue were wearing. Like, it was, like, a version of that. Like, I didn't know that until last week. I, like, saw it on Instagram. I had no idea. I we literally watched that in freshman English last year, so I was just I didn't know that. That's really yeah. fun. Yeah, it's such like it, that's such like a Bohemian movie. Like it's so like cool. Like I don't know. It, again, like that sense of like nostalgia for the recent past, just so cool. So the second question kind of deals with how do we personally relate to the show? 
as just being teens and high schoolers. So I feel like just something to talk about, because obviously this can't be ignored because it's exploiting euphoria so much. It's just like party culture. And obviously this isn't party culture like that's in college. Like everyone knows in college, like frat parties are crazy, stuff like that. But um, in high school, I would say there's still like a very big culture in terms of smoking, drinking, drugs. And this isn't from my personal experience, but you know, euphoria, I feel like there's a huge, I feel like everyone is doing something in terms of, you know, participating in, you know, party culture. And again, that's not a bad thing because high schoolers are high schoolers and that's just what's going to happen at the end of the day. But I feel like the pressure there is a lot more than the pressure in my life. I don't necessarily think like if you want to partake in that, you know, you have to. Like none of your friends are necessarily going to make you do something. Like you're not going to shove stuff down your throat. And that's like something that a lot of people going into high school, this is what I thought going into high school. It's weird. Like, I feel like it's portrayed differently than I would have expected. Like, again, this is something that I feel like teen dramas, in some ways, whenever you think of party culture, like, there's a lot more, like, active peer pressure. And they're like, come on, like, do it. But it wasn't really like that. It was more just like, okay, legitimately, everyone was doing it. And it wasn't like people were, like, scared to do it or, like, hesitant or whatever. Like, it just kind of seemed like everybody was doing it. Yeah. That was it. Like, they didn't really, like dive into like peer pressure which I feel like is something that is important but it's also sometimes like cliched in a lot of shows but it was just it was different than like parties I've seen in other shows yeah and also it's more accurate in terms of what they're using things like vapes and stuff you don't really see like cigarettes or whatever like things that are very you know prominent in our generation like what high schoolers will use like not gonna lie at all on the show like people do do that in our school like it is what it is but that's accurate like the fact that euphoria actually takes that into consideration instead of just throwing a veil over it for people who are older and watching the show like if they want to know oh this is how it compares to like when i was growing up there you go like you watch like a show like stranger things when you're our age and like it's completely different like when you see the parties and yeah, like like you're you're right about um, that they don't really explore like the pressure of that that much, just because I feel like it's super normalized, which is good. Like the fact that it's normalized and not like you know how, how do I even say that? Like they just don't really touch on it. Maybe because there's just like way bigger issues than the show than your friend like pressuring you to drink. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not a trivial thing in retrospect in comparison to the rest of the show like I think it's a much more trivial problem or situation than like literal like drug overdoses and plus I feel like a lot of people know that regardless of if you're in our generation or if you're older than us or if you're younger than us it's just sort of something that everybody has somewhat witnessed or like understands that it occurs Mm -hmm. whereas like you said, and that's something I like about Euphoria, like those little details that they add in to show that it's in the same time period as the one that we're living in. Like the vape, for example, like you wouldn't see that usually. And it's such a small detail to pick up, but like it's there. And it's something that is real and very current and contemporary. And a lot of like people that are older than us or even people that are younger than us might not know that that actually goes on. This is like what it's, I feel like trying to convey to parents. There's bigger things in the world 
than drugs, alcohol, et cetera. There's bigger, you know, problems like actually communication issues, like anxiety, depression, um, again, drug overdoses. I know that kind of falls in the air, which is what I was just talking about. I'm just saying that things like mental health, those are just as big of problems as things like, you know, a drug problem or an alcohol problem in a high schooler, if you know what I mean. And that's a very realistic aspect of the show, which I can 100% relate to because things like mental health aren't talked about as much. And I know that's like, you know, starting to change. And I think that's really good. And I hope that we can do like an episode on mental health sometime in the future. Also, another thing that like, I kind of want to talk about is like social media pressures. I feel like a really good person that can personify that is Kat. At the beginning, she really feels like the pressure of body image, ideals and stuff like that. But at the end, she's super, she's like Maddie, like she's super confident in who she is. She changes her style, which is reflected again, style reflects how the character feels and I think that's so cool yeah she's probably one of the biggest like character progressions amongst the whole show like I feel like she completely flip-flops and you know every episode kind of like has a similar structure like they have they focus and zero in on some character in the beginning of the episode and they tell their story and they talk about their issues and their struggles regardless of what follows their little narrative and Kat's narrative was just like it was really I felt like it would be one of the more relatable ones just because of the idea of like body image in the public eye recently we talked a little bit about this on our style episode last week you should definitely check it out it's definitely a really good one regardless if you're into clothes or not it's just really interesting to hear how people like become more confident and cope with that and use style as a meaning of expression really interesting anyway she truly just you know you can see the struggle of her like looking in the mirror you can feel her pain and I feel like a lot of people understand that I don't know if I would justify like exactly how she would became more confident she became like a cam girl and she did all these like uh, things that were kind of like unlike what I would think she would do in the beginning of the show kind of like a loss of innocence which I feel yeah, like she, exactly that's that's exactly what I was trying to say like she yeah. kind of like loses her innocence throughout the show and I don't know if that's the right way to overcome and become more confident I guess but it definitely helped her not recommending that you should do it but yeah yeah and I agree with you <laughs> again it's not like necessarily what everyone should do I'm just saying especially if you want to gain confidence but the fact that she did gain confidence through doing that I think is different and also the fact that it's normalized in a way I think is good it shouldn't be frowned upon especially when something good comes out of it and the good thing about it is that she actually gained confidence and uh, she was able to recoup what she had lost when, you know, she drank those 108 pina coladas or whatever. Yeah, that I actually, I thought that was kind of like, not like funny, but it kind of was. I don't know, something about the way they filmed it on the beach. It, it was just, it kind of made it more funny and like lighthearted, I guess. I think another thing that's really generation specific, and I kind of, I was a bit shocked when I was watching it, but just the way that the characters speak, it sounds so informal and so casual and so much like a conversation that I would overhear or even have myself. Like they use the word like all the time, which is something that Max and I do throughout the entire podcast. Yeah, but, sorry. Um, <laughs> we're sorry, but like it's really normalized, I guess. And I remember just like always in elementary school having lessons on like trying to not say like as much because everybody does it in the wrong way. And it's just kind of, it's one of those words, like not like, um, just a placeholder word when you're searching for what to say. And they do that. Like they used like all the time. And I was like, 
there you go. But it was just weird for me to hear that. Yeah, it's so informal. And that's good because it's something that I could totally relate to. Like, like, <laughs> you know, what it, you know what I'm saying? You're completely right. It's super contemporary. And the fact that it, it doesn't feel as scripted because of that is so cool. So I think we should maybe move on to the third question, which probably is my Definitely. favorite one. What are highs and lows of the series overall, including, you know, things like the characters in each episode? And I feel like we can't talk about Euphoria without talking about the cinematography, which for those of you who don't know what cinematography is, it's really just kind of... The way that it's filmed and yeah. the way that it's... Like, the, it's just a bunch of elements, like the, the lighting, the music with the actual filming and the overall just like angles and perspectives because different angles just show I don't really know how but just like it makes me feel like I'm looking from something at a different point of view even though quite literally I am but it really helps with bringing in the overall emotion being able to sympathize with the person in that situation I never really appreciated that in any show because it was not nearly as up to par in any other show that I've really watched out of anything that I've ever seen like the cinematography was absolutely exceptional like it was just so different to watch a show with like well like lighting and music and everything and yeah yeah uh, one of the reasons Euphoria, like the reason I watched Euphoria really early, like I, I watched it during the premiere originally, is because um, Euphoria is a collaboration with HBO and this production company called A24, which for those of you like movie geeks or whatever into indie stuff like that, uh, you probably know what A24 is. Like for example, Moonlight, which won Best uh, Picture a few years ago. I don't know if you remember Izzy. That was an A24 film. They're very famous for their cinematography and they're very famous for you know, bringing in like things like color and using film. I think Euphoria was shot on film. I could be wrong. Yeah, things like that. That's why it, you know, immediately appealed to me besides the fact that, you know, Zendaya was starring as a drug addict. (laughs) And I also think that we can't talk about Euphoria without talking about the insane soundtrack by Labyrinth. I don't know how long I've been listening to Labyrinth, maybe like a few years and definitely on the underrated side. I know he was featured on one of the Weekends albums a few years ago. He's so talented. He's Jamaican British singer, I think. He produced literally the entire thing himself. A little bit of help here and there from some other people. But this whole like electro hip hop gospel album is so unique and something that I've never, ever seen done before. The only thing that I can really compare it to is like crazy supersonic Disney movie or something like that. Something like Tron, which is super like electronic infused. Yeah, I think it was incredible. I mean, I never honestly like I've never heard of Labyrinth before I watched the show or really before you told me about him. But it was just like really different from anything I've ever heard. At first, like sometimes you would hear the beginning of the song and be like, wait, this is kind of like weird. Like it's kind of like messing with my mind a little bit, but then like gets into it and where they insert the songs, I feel like is like so good because it really matters like where you place the certain sound or amongst like the entire show. And they would just always put it in like the right place and it would just go so well. Like, I don't remember what song it was, but it was like when Jules and Rue were like riding their bikes and there was like all this like light. And it was like, I mean, honestly, that happens multiple times in the show, but just incorporating the sound and the cinematography together was something I never really appreciated or really like explored or really cared about because it wasn't prominent in anything I've ever seen. Now, after I watch anything, I'm going to be like, eh, the cinematography is okay. <laughs> it's almost like a all or something. Izzy, should we just both talk about our just favorite episodes? I don't know if you necessarily have one I can definitely speak on that (laughs) yeah definitely go ahead so I would say that my favorite episode is episode seven I know like a lot of people say it's episode either four 
or the last one because of like the cinematography and stuff like that and just the plot but I loved episode seven just because it shows like a divergence of like who we thought Jules to be who I think is a very interesting character and also just like the ending scene where they're in the club with the lights above them was crazy and like super interpretational especially like I remember after watching that episode actually last summer it was kind of a crazy ride because I was at camp so I didn't have my phone but like when I got my phone a few nights a week I watched the show so after watching that I just kept going on articles seeing like what it meant stuff like that but I thought the cinematography in that episode was insane I don't know about you Izzy but yeah the club scene was literally insane like I will never forget they were just dancing and they were spinning and the face of the person dancing would like keep changing and I think that sort of symbolized like who she loves I guess it was like Anna and it was Rue and it was messing with my mind I probably liked episode four the best I think the cinematography in the carnival was absolutely impeccable I don't know the music it made me feel like I was genuinely there you know it was just cool to see I guess like older like really mature kids going to a carnival like I was it was like just so like contrasty like there were some parts of it that weren't but there were parts of it that were just like more lighthearted and like really different from any other things that they do in the show I guess or events that they go to yeah a hundred percent should we also talk about maybe like our favorite characters and such do you want to go first yeah well I think Max and I like we sort of agree on this but Jules is probably our favorite character I just think that there's a lot that you can learn from her her narratives, you felt it. Like you felt her, you could picture her in the mental hospital that her parents literally, like I can't imagine how traumatic that absolutely is because she was like in the mental hospital and she just saw like her mom in the door and she started screaming. I was like in pain. It was like emotional for me. She's gone through like a lot of, a lot of trauma and she's just so like strong between like in the very beginning with the incident with like Nate's dad I feel like that would really scar anyone for life I guess but she just not ignored it but she like was she rose above it and all these other crazy things that happened to her and then Nate like literally catfishing her and her like falling in love but like not really and it was a lot to take in and I felt really bad for her she's just really inspiring yeah a hundred percent and also I love Jules well first of all I love the actor who plays her Hunter Schaefer she's from North Carolina she's a huge activist she was one of the people who got to testify and I don't know if you remember this Izzy but a few years ago in North Carolina there was like a whole like transgender bathroom bill which was like proposed to they could only use the bathroom of their biological sex which again that's still kind of a controversial topic but it's so powerful to see what like her testimony and stuff like that and also she's a model and this was her first acting role and she was just convinced by her agent to just try out for it on like a bid and she got it and I think it she has such a unique role because she's like one of the first trans characters whose entire storyline isn't based around her transition in fact it's not even mentioned I think until episode two I'm not saying that's a long way into the show I'm just saying that you know it's not mentioned it's super casual which I think is amazing and also again the lack of labels surrounding like her character and also her sexuality which she comes to set into as the show progresses and she kind of experiments with when she begins like her relationship with her and stuff like that which I think is so cool and so transparent and so contemporary yeah honestly like if you hadn't mentioned it to me like before I even watched the show that she was trans like I wouldn't really I had some instincts in the beginning but until like I didn't know 100% until I actually like saw her it was just like so like normalized and transparent and that was just like really interesting to see 
again, one of those things that I feel like isn't talked about enough and not to say that other shows like invalidate it, but just like they don't really dive into it deeply the whole like my entire perspective on the show was like an awakening and it was just kind of like really new and fresh one thing i need to mention is i don't know why i can kind of relate to nate even though like you know he isn't really a liked character but like everyone who's a huge fan of the show although jacob Buller's performance is really good he definitely succumbs to like masculine pressures and stuff like that what people like to call toxic masculinity he bottles up all that anger inside of him which i think is also like a result of like his dad and he puts like a shell for the world to see but is really really insecure which is like hence for the breakdown in the last episode which is so moving to watch like i think jacob Bullardi actually i think i told you this the other day is he but he gave himself a concussion doing that scene but it just shows shows you how pressures to be like this big masculine man to just be like that as just an 18 year old have to always be like the person who's like controlling stuff like that i don't necessarily think that nate is like that in like his utopia world like if you know what i'm talking about like if he wasn't hindered by stuff like that and it shows everyone who watched the show why the teen can't be themselves it's really because society didn't let them be themselves because there's so many things that are like stigmatized and stuff like that I can't necessarily say I agree with society all the time, but I feel like people have a fear of evolution, something that just requires like a new train of thought and a new acceptance and part of them to like actually understand. It's important to see how you have to balance out the idea of evolution of society versus evolution of a person and how they intertwine, I guess. Going back to like Nate, I feel like, and with really every character, like there's points where I love them and there's points where I really don't. And he's someone that I definitely have a love-hate relationship with. He kind of like knew about everything that his father was doing and his overall family dynamic was definitely not healthy at all. Like his mom just like didn't really like speak up or really anything. And he got these like angry, abusive sort of traits from his father. His father's just like someone I absolutely hated throughout the entire show. For example, I feel like he definitely knew that Nate abused Maddie, but he would rather not acknowledge that and say that that's wrong because he prides himself in doing sort of the same thing to like everyone he has like a whole set of like victims and it's really scary to see that i i was like shocked also he was in Grey's anatomy and like it was just like weird for me to like see him like he was one of my favorite characters in Grey's anatomy actually it was weird same thing with zendaya she was literally on shake it up the most insane thing she did was like i don't know get a credit card and like max it out or like debit card i, I just remember that so well anyway but now she like played such a more contemporary really like raw character like it was really weird to see that i was like wait casey undercover is that you oh my god just one last thing i think before we wrap up is just to mention like some of the unrealistic aspects of euphoria number one i think this goes with any teen drama the lack of homework extracurriculars things like sats not saying that i don't want to go out and party like the people in euphoria but like i literally can't sometimes because we have stuff to do also it's corona season like what's going on i'm excited to see how they deal with that (laughs) in season two but i think that goes with any teen drama for the most part so can't really blame them for that also just the entanglement with like juniors and seniors like, it doesn't even mention if, like, Maddie is a senior or a junior. And also, Jules and Rue are juniors, and so is Lexi. But also, like, we don't know. I think Nate's a senior. 
the age, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, I have friends that are juniors. I have friends that are, se- well, actually, we're rising juniors now. So I have friends that are seniors. But the entanglement is a little. Yeah, little, you know and then I mean? you have like McKay. Like you wouldn't understand that he's at college until you figure out like, he was literally just like in the first episode or the second episode, just hanging out with Nate. And like they were having like a party or whatever. And he was literally just like there, like hanging out with the guys. So I was like, okay, like he's like friends with Nate and they're in high school together. And then like you find out like he's just in college and training for the NFL. I'm like what and also I feel like every show like I agree like I'm like you come home from school and you just like hang out and ride your bikes and do whatever like junior in high school like you're pretty busy so I was just like what but I guess like why would you want to film a scene of like someone like studying for their SAT I don't know very true but I wish that something you know if they if they took things like anxiety like that was like such a big thing in the whole show and I'm not saying that can't just come from social stuff but I know what it's like to have anxiety because of school so I feel like that on top of social pressure is an even crazier combo but you know it is what it is and hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of that in the second season and I'm excited to what we'll get to see so I think with that being said it's a great way to wrap up this episode Euphoria is such like you know an incredible show and this is enjoyable for me because I think it's just interesting to see the perspective of a stand versus someone who just binged it for the first time. And although it's sometimes difficult to talk about things like anxiety, teen struggles, and like more of the other things that Euphoria like showed us, it's important to take into consideration, like especially for the parents out there, that these struggles are like actually real. And they're new too, because we're growing up in an unprecedented and very experimental age that's never been seen before because it's shaped by technology. And that's why we have this podcast to talk about those things. I completely second that. It was really like, at first I was like, I don't know, like, do I want to watch this show? Like, all I've heard about it is that it's like super graphic and very like, it could be like at times a little depressing and hard to watch, but I'm like really glad that I watched it because in terms of like, I don't know if it's necessarily the show that like would keep me on edge. Like, it's not like that really. I And that's just a little bit more cliche. It was more being able to see all these like generational contemporary things all intertwine and like how all those characters' storylines all like, somehow connect in some ways. Well, if you liked this new mini series episode for the media mini series, please make sure to give our podcast a five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts so that we can make the truth of youth even better for you guys. And if you have any specific feedback for the podcast or want to come on the show for an interview, please go check out our link tree in the description. Yeah, we definitely want your feedback or just like inquiries on being someone that we interview because we have like google forms on our link tree so it'll be really awesome if you guys could just fill that out when you get the chance all right guys thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next friday bye guys